Coming up, readings beyond the raffle and Theoryland approved conjecture. Deep dive into the spells and scrolls of nerd culture. Absorb Stormlight. Home sympathy. Arnas, Sayadar, and Sayadin. This is Phantology. You may have heard of us. Before we get started, we have three new patrons to recognize in this episode. Jake Doman, the FTF podcast, Dylan and Charles, thank you guys. Phoenix McCullough from the Tales from the Waystone podcast. So thank you guys so much. Definitely check out their channels as well. All right, what's up, Hods? This is Steven, your host from Phantology Podcast. And we are going to be talking about the first of the books of Babel, Senlin Ascends by Josiah Bancroft. Ryan and Josh are both on with me today. Who wants to uh, go first? Ryan. Ryan, tell everyone hello. Hello, Phantology and fans of Phantology and those who are new to Phantology. Excited to talk about this exciting book. This was an exciting book. I liked it. I'm excited to talk about it. So we'll start with uh, some non-spoilers. We kind of typically do this. I think people tuning in have probably already read the book, but you know, just in case we will do like five to 10 minutes or so, we'll see of, of no spoiler conversation, just like overview what the book is, some backstory of the book, since this one's a little interesting. And then we'll, you know, give our like impressions. Did we like it? Did we not? So it's like Josh, Josh liked it. Yeah. So that's a, that's one spoiled already. <laughs> also something we do here for Anthology, we did this for our book club on Discord. So it's pretty fun. We get, you know, a, a fair amount of people to read the book. We discuss it. Uh, we go on voice chat uh, once or twice to discuss the book. And so this one was really fun. We're going to be picking another book for our next our next book club here pretty soon. But if that sounds interesting to you, jump on our Discord. There's a channel called Book Club where we all kind of talk about what book we want to do. And so if you want input for what to do next, then jump on Discord and say hi. Yeah, if I have my way, we're going to do The Arm of the Sphinx, the book two of the series oh, yeah. next. We'll, we'll see what people want to do. But I think there was a lot of enjoyment for this one. Yeah. Yeah, Another, and then also, okay. yeah, also with Phantology, I think I just kind of stole your thing there, Josh. No, but that's good. Yeah. Ryan, do you want to tell everyone about our exciting competition that's going on right now? Sure. Well, as a uh, for our YouTube uh, stream, not stream channel, our YouTube channel, we're trying to get to a thousand subscribers and we're pretty close. I mean, are we at like what, 970? Yeah, it's like 979. It's, it's close. It's very reachable. So we are very close. So we're trying to push ourselves over the top before we finish 2021. And as part of that, we're going to offer a little incentive for new members or new subscribers and old for those people who are just joining us. Uh, if you want to hit, a, hit the subscribe button and um, for those who have already uh, subscribed. If you want to leave a comment on some of our videos, just to let us know that you're watching and something you like or dislike, some constructive criticism, you'll be entered into a competition where we will select a winner just randomly, and you will get an audiobook, an audible credit for you to enjoy listening to your next favorite fantasy book. Most of us use Audible or listen to audiobooks. And so we love it. We want to pass that on to you guys, pass on some appreciation to you as well. Heck yeah, well said. So the, the only thing I'd add is we can't actually gift the credit. We have to gift the books. So you'll need to DM us on one of our socials and tell us what book you'd like. And then we can gift you the, the book on Audible. So for new subscribers and old, you comment on our videos, new videos, so don't just go back to like episode one of Phantology and leave comments. That's not allowed. New videos, since we announced the competition in our last episode, every comment that you make, limit of one comment per video, will get you an entry. And then we'll do a raffle once we get over a thousand. We'll probably do it like the end of October or the end of November. We'll kind of yeah. see, we'll, we'll gauge the participants. 
we'll let it run a little bit. We'll let it run until until we tell you we're going to stop. So just because you see like we have 1K subscribers, um, if we haven't like announced it that it's stopping, we'll let it run a little bit over 1K. So you can have multiple entries, but you can only have one entry per video. Correct. That's what you're saying. Yeah, correct. Okay. Okay, on to Senlin Ascends. So no spoilers for now. Should we start with opinions? Let's let's do that. Can, let's do that. Yeah. Well, can I just try pitching it real fast? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. Okay. Okay. So um, this book is not like a typical epic fantasy book. I'd say it's more along the lines of I keep comparing it to Douglas Adams and Neil Gaiman, kind of, and maybe a little bit of Terry Pratchett, although I haven't read many of his books. But it's it's kind of a setting that's a little bit maybe more familiar to ours. I, w- I don't know if I classify it as steampunk, although it does have some steampunk elements in it, but it... Um, yeah, I, th- I would say steampunk. Okay, yeah, but it's not as dark. It's not like as dreary as I would say. A lot of steam- I'm not too familiar with steampunk books, so... Is that a, is that a, a, a hallmark of steampunk being dark? And I just thought steampunk was just like, you know, funny hats and clockwork things and engines. Yeah, maybe. I yeah, I, I saw Carnival Row. That's like where my thing of steampunk. Okay. Anyway, um, so, but it has really enjoyable. Well, it has very unique characters. I'd say the characters are not just like a typical fantasy book character. It has kind of different takes, and there's a, a lot of humor in it, and it's pretty well paced. Not super long. So that, and these are all my opinions, of course, people might disagree, but that's kind of my pitch. If you want something a little bit more zany or whimsical than like Sanderson mm-hmm. is, then this might be a fun thing for you to try out. Ryan, what would you add? I, I think I agree with Josh for the most part. It's, it's not, it has a few starker elements, but it is, it does have, I don't know. It's a good mixture of some some dark elements and some lighthearted ones but i i think it's it's enjoyable and it felt very different from everything else i'd read this year in a good way the setting is really what first set it apart for me like they're literally climbing the tower of babel right and it's this kind of crazy setting within the tower and you'll see when you read the book that there's different uh, settings within the setting in different parts of the tower. Uh, the characters are great. Uh, the main character is very human, different than your typical hero. I think I, I saw a thing where Josiah, the author, said that he felt like a lot of heroes were not like real people, where they they had flaws, but they were like hero flaws. They weren't like real people flaws. And Senlin, who's the main character, is very human and has like he's kind of stupid sometimes, and and has he he seems like. You know, basically, like if I was in a fantasy book, this might be how I mm-hmm. acted. Yeah, imagine taking like your quirkiest teacher—not quirkiest. I, I wouldn't say quirkiest. I don't know. Imagine taking a teacher that took themselves very seriously, but still had a sense of humor, uh-huh. and then throw them in the middle of a kind of crazy, zany fantasy world. I think that gives you kind of an idea for what you'd expect from it. What are your What are your comps for this book? My favorite that I've said a few times is a series of unfortunate events. That's a more YA series than this book is. Not that this book is like super adult or dark or anything, but just like the general tone is more adult series of unfortunate events, more, more YA, but just some of like the situations and characters and the, the humor and the absurd absurdism, whatever that word is, that all kind of uh, reminded me of, of uh, unfortunate events. I think a mix between, for me, and I said this with the Douglas Adams and the Neil Gaiman, but maybe a mix between Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and and Neverwhere, if you've read those. I think it's kind of a concept. That's the Neil Gaiman, right? Yeah, Neverwhere is Neil Gaiman, Hitchhiker's is Douglas Adams. Yeah, I, um, I said it was very different from any other book I've read this year, and I'm drawing up a blank when I'm trying to think of a similar book that I've read recently, so. It's unique. It's a, yeah. that's a great selling point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when, when I heard a lot of people talking about this book and how much they enjoyed it, when you read the premise, this school teacher climbing a tower, it doesn't sound very interesting. You're like, how long does it take to get to the top of a tower? And how am I going to be interested for an entire book? Uh, but it really does have some very unique 
world building aspects to it. And I think that it, it, it certainly, it certainly pays off to invest, um, invest some time reading it. He's able to really conjure up some nice imagery, like in my head, I have really good, uh, ability. I, I'm not trying to, uh, brag about my own ability to imagine these things. I, I mean, the, the text does a really good job of helping me imagine what these, uh, settings look like. And they're very unique settings. They're very zany settings, but I'm able to imagine all these things really well, which really speaks to the, the quality of the prose and the world building and imagination here. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Okay. Should we talk about, let's, let's talk about the, the origins of the book. This is still non-spoilers, but I just thought this is interesting. So he published this book in 2013, self-published after writing four years. Um, he was a poet for a while. And then he's like, I don't want to do that anymore. So he, he wrote this book um, after writing uh, when he was younger, fantasy books when he was younger. And he self-published in 2013 and sold like 250 copies in the first three years. So basically nothing. Uh, he just wrote it because he wanted to and wasn't necessarily expecting critical success, but he did try to get it out there with, uh, you know, not, not a lot of success. It's hard to do on social media and at conferences or, or whatever. But then he entered into Mark Lawrence's, um, an author that we've covered a little bit, although we are still kind of in the midst of reading his, his books. He entered into Mark Lawrence's self-published books or like smaller uh, fantasy books. I, I guess anyone can enter this competition, although I'm not very familiar with it. Uh, he entered this competition. He didn't win, but Mark Lawrence read it just kind of on a whim and loved it and basically became the champion for Sendlin Ascends and really promoted it across Reddit and some different places. Eventually Orbit picked it up uh, several years after, I think in 2016, if I'm correct, Orbit picked it up and signed on and, and published. And since then, you know, the rest of the series came out. So I, I just thought that was a very interesting origin story for the series. Did it get re-edits after, did the first book get edited again after the competition? I don't I expect you don't, to know this. I do not know. But I thought for, I don't know, this, this seemed like it was very tightly and well edited, like in terms of the pacing of it and in terms of the prose it had to have had some top-notch editors there working on it. And I'm, I'm shocked that it didn't get more success faster because it's, it's really, it's a really well-written book. Um, I didn't know he was a poet, but that kind of makes sense with. Um, yeah. The prose the is really good, right? Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. The, Im- the imagery, I guess that goes back to my thing about the imagery. I think that mm-hmm. really helps. I don't know if I quite say it's on like a Patrick Rothfuss level, but it's really, really well done. I'd say it's, I loved it. The pros, and I think I mean it. it just uh, you know we talk about how difficult it is to be an author nowadays, and uh, this is just another another testament to both the fact that there's a lot of different routes to success, and you need to be very persistent, persevere through a lot of hardship. And it he had a good book, obviously. It was just the fact that he didn't have the exposure to actually get the book out there. I mean, yeah. And his, the fact that he got a publisher only came after his book was exposed to the general public and well-received. So it's writing is a difficult thing to uh, to do. And I'm grateful for all of these authors uh, for Josiah Bancroft, Mark Lawrence, all these people who, you know, sacrifice a lot in order to initially get their book out there. And it makes you think like how many more Sendlin Ascends are there out there that were self-published and are, you know, just have hundreds of people that have read them, but are, but are awesome books. So if I was mm-hmm. one of those hundred people, I'd be like evangelizing the heck out of this, but I'd be on Reddit. Yeah. Discord. Like, can you imagine the amount of karma you'd get yeah. if you yeah. like introduced Reddit to, <laughs> to, uh, yeah. so, um, real quick. Also, I wanted to give a quick, um, a quick content warning there's not any language i don't think um nothing major at all there's not very there's no real sex in it um there's a little bit of maybe sensuous descriptions here or there yeah and then finally there are some kind of shocking moments of violence that are uh not common enough uh to make them less shocking if that makes sense you know, I can mm-hmm. maybe count on a mm-hmm. hand or two of like really violent moments, 
but when there's violence it's uh i would say it's graphic and shocking and there's definitely some darker undertones like as you explore more to the tower you realize that there is a lot of there's a lot of fairly dark stuff that's going on there's like but it's not like on page as much you you know that there's like prostitution rings and being sold into Uh like like a sex trade type thing so it's not really lingered on but it is happening in the setting um hopefully that's not too much of a spoiler but no i think that's trigger trigger warnings um so that's i don't know it's not like anything like a game of thrones or even like a like a mark lawrence book or anything like that i'd say i'd be comfortable with like most teenagers reading it just that violence yeah, I mean, for, for the books that we've covered in, in fantasy, tame. adult fantasy can get, uh, you know, more graphic. I think this is definitely on the, the tamer side. So I would recommend it to most readers of fantasy. Mm-hmm. All right. Spoilers? Okay, should we do... Well, before we do spoilers, okay, oh. give us... A, should we just some ratings, oh. just like overall? I mean, we already said a lot of our impressions of the book. Maybe should, should we attach numbers to it? That's kind of fun. Top, top line number? Yeah, give us an out of 10. I'm going 8.5. It's very, very high, very high bar. Yeah, I, I really liked it. I, um, I I was, I think I gave it initially, I gave it five stars on when I finished it on Goodreads because um, I was reading it on the mm-hmm. Kindle and it popped up with me to give a rating. But um, I initially would have given it a nine out of 10, but then we talked a little bit and I think I, uh, there, there were some more apparent flaws that I kind of just glossed over because I, I kind of binge read it. Um, so having talked through the book club, like the first half of the book, there were some, some, uh, flaws that I, that were brought up that I agree with. So it lowered it to an 8.5, but yeah, that's where I'm at. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm similar. I I would give it an eight out of 10. I think that the book has a lot of the premise is just very unique. And that was a lot of the draw for me. The beginning and middle were a little bit of slow punctuated by, uh, periods of like very, very interest when I was very interested in the book and reading it, but it would kind of inevitably slow down again until probably the last third of the book when it was very quick. And so the pacing was a little bit, um, it was a little bit up and down for me. And sometimes I had to force myself to pick up the book and start reading again. Um, But I'm glad that I read the entire book and I'm excited to start the next book. I'll go with you, Ryan. I'll give it also an eight out of 10. You know, I'll be honest. There are times where doing Phantology kind of takes away my enjoyment for reading sometimes. Cause I'm like, I, I got to get through this book so we can do the recordings. We can get to the next ones. So we can get an episode out, right? It's just kind of like the, the nature of the game sometimes, but I did not feel that way for this book. I enjoyed reading it all the way through. And although, I mean, I did read the last bit of it pretty quickly so we could be ready to record. I enjoyed it the whole time. I thought it was, I mean, for a first book, amazing. 10 out of 10 for a, for yeah, a first oh, book. First book, yeah. 10 out of 10. Self-published so, book, 10 out of 10. Yeah. Yeah. And and really looking forward to the rest of the series because I've, I've heard that uh, it continues to get interesting. We have some people on Discord who've read the whole series who are big fans who joined Discord so they could talk to us about this and, and tell us we should read more. So I am trusting them and I'm, I'm trusting what I read from the first book and I'm expecting big things for the rest of the series. Nice. Okay. Spoilers. All right. Where, where do we start? <laughs> yeah. Where do we start? I mean, so start a I, lot of different places. Yeah. So the, it is kind of weird how he just loses his wife, right? Like that was kind of weird to me. I'm like, is this just supposed to be a chapter thing? Like, is this just kind of the initial, you know, like hmm. he's going to figure this out in a few chapters, find his wife, and then they're going to go on this adventure together. You mean how like it starts right at the beginning and then like, you don't realize that it is in fact, the impetus for the it seems right. like the entire series yeah i didn't really know if that was the case or not so it made the beginning a little bit hard to get into for me because i i didn't i wasn't expecting that to be the main conflict of the okay of the book if not the whole series well did you read the um you know whatever summary they have at the back of the book no i just went right in i didn't i didn't read it either i i haven't really been reading them i mean they kind of spoil like a lot of the yeah. main premise so i was a little yeah. i was similar josh where i was like oh he just lost his wife um or she walked off and then i was like next chapter you're like oh they can't find each other i didn't realize it was going to be the whole book and then more that you know this is like his journey you know mm-hmm. trying to find his wife 
and and so that certainly was um, a surprise to me. So you guys would have thought it would be better if it was like a stronger connection to Maria and to Senlin and her relationship and that, and like, Oh no, now she's gone. Now it's a big thing because, you know, we like them together, but the way it was, it was just like, Oh, she's gone. We don't really know who she is. We barely even know who Senlin is. I, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know if that's intentional because when, when you first read the book, when you started, at least when I started it, I thought this was almost like an arranged marriage. Senlin just, Seemed I got that, very, yeah, I got that he, vibe too. He seemed awkward and the relationship seemed, didn't seem very affectionate. I was like, is this uh, like, what's going on here exactly? And then as the story progresses, especially later on, you start learning more about how, uh, how his, his courtship with Maria and uh, you learn a bit more and that it wasn't in fact an arranged marriage that, you know, they, they developed a lot of uh, there's a lot of depth that you know from the outside it might kind of look like that and um but maria came to mean something to senlin that was not apparent at the beginning and so i'm not exactly sure i, I think that might have been uh, intentional by the author that at, from the beginning you you don't exactly know the whole story behind their relationship mm. i mean as you learn about their relationship, it helps you learn about Senlin as a character. And as the book goes on, you know, Senlin is learning about himself and exploring the tower more. You get more bits of backstory. So I can see that strategy of like, okay, now we're also going to parcel out their relationship. So you get a deeper understanding of both, but it did seem a little strange at first. So I'm going to say, I don't know if I did more of his, their relationship before she got lost, but I think I did more of the fact that this was an actual danger. But it, it, it is hard because that's when he realizes like how much danger the tower is yeah. too. So I, I don't know how it could have been def- done differently. I'm just saying like kind of my initial, initial reaction. I did kind of have an emotional reaction to it because without going into like a crazy long story, the, a week or two before I read the book, I um, kind of lost my kid for a little bit at the park and it was pretty scary for me. And, and so I, uh, I, I felt kind of the the desperation but i think that that should have come through a little bit more quickly like it was like he started looking for her and then it was like two days later and then that's when he started getting desperate you know after like 15 minutes i was like freaking out you know i'm like you know just dread this feeling of dread and i i get that that's not really the same because one's an adult one's a four-year-old you know so like the adult can handle themselves more on their own Uh but i don't know like i mean he does freak out for a while and then he his rational mind kind of thinks like, well, she's an adult. She'll come back to me. I just need to stay in the same spot. Like, and that's his character. He's very rational and expects the world to be ordered until he goes through the tower and realizes that in fact, none of that is really the case. Yeah. I thought it was done well. I just was, I'm saying my initial like reaction of not being super brought into the story, like right away by that conflict. Agree. It wasn't until he got to the parlor for me that I was like, okay, this book's pretty cool. Like there's something cool going on here. Yeah. It was, it was pretty boring through the basement for sure. You're like, man, this guy sucks. He just got robbed. He just got robbed again. And <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah. he's like, you know, just like desperately, like I can't find my wife. Have, have you seen this person? Like, I mean, and, and like you said earlier, Steven, it's, it's like, almost the, the same things we would do if we were in that situation where you're like, just like running around. If I was in a foreign country, like barely spoke the language or whatever. And I got separated from my wife for multiple days. I'd be freaking out. Like I need to contact the authorities. I need them to help me find her. Like what, what happened here? And so, you know, it's not very heroic by Sendland. Right. And, and then in the parlor, uh, did, did you guys get shining vibes at all? in in the parlor where he's being he and edith are being chased by this murderous yeah i've never read or seen it so no but you've seen like the thing of jack nicholson like breaking through the door and like sticking his face in. i've seen that and i've seen the blood like running down from the elevator yeah yeah but yes right right. like just a crazed maniac like murderously chasing you down to to take you out yeah it it was it was a very gripping part of the book and very intense and that's where i got 
series of unfortunate events vibes where it's like this bizarro setting that doesn't make any sense, but everyone there is going along with it for no mm. apparent reason. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and I love that series. I was like part of my childhood. So this is, I think that connection was really what drove home the interest in the book for me. Yeah. Real quick along that same premise. I loved how Stenlin saw it as the bastion of culture and refinement and like scientific. Uh, oh yeah. He taught lectures to his class yeah. all about the tower. Yeah had the book i think it would be kind of like if you went to like paris you know and you i've never been to paris but like it's kind of, maybe it's kind of like if you went to paris expecting you know to see where all this amazing culture originated from and scientific discoveries and all all this and then you went and got like mugged before you saw the eiffel tower and like didn't get to go into any of the museums and yeah you know <laughs> were somehow arrested and thrown in a cubicle and like uh, yeah, I don't know. Just that's the vibes I got. Like, I like Amanda, that. Yeah, kind of like the story of Amanda Knox. Is that her name? I don't know if she was in Paris, but I, and I, I don't think know. The, I'm not familiar with that story. The Tower of Babel setting is cool too, obviously because of you know the the biblical story of the tower. And it seems like here we have basically every culture and and uh, different parts of the world that are represented. Everyone's coming here. And uh, it's basically how you'd expect the, the biblical version to go where it's just crazy and it goes up until no one can see. And, and uh, it's totally godless in the end. That was really cool. Yeah. I, I like that symbolism. I, I don't know if it's a little bit on the nose to like actually call it Babel, right? Like, cause I don't know how much this is supposed to resemble like being an alternate universe of our own world or, you know, that's kind of all left to be pretty vague. I like, I mean, I, I think it's a great decision to call it Babel. It, it worked for me. Nice. Okay. It, it conjures up this, this image and setting right away before you even, it's like, oh yeah, it's Tower Babel. Yeah, true. Okay. Uh, should we talk about characters? Which, so we talked about Senlin a little bit. Anything else to say about Senlin? I, um, I don't know. This is kind of a combination of maybe something we would talk about later or even worse to the best. But um, so Senlin, I mentioned he starts off um, pretty incompetent and I, I was expecting some character growth because I was like there's no way that I can read a whole book following this guy if he just stays the same way and is just mm-hmm. like hopelessly lost has no idea what to do but then I felt like by the end of the book he was almost like hyper competent he was just like you know planning these elaborate schemes and uh, they didn't necessarily all go to plan but he was like he was very confident in himself and he like could analyze everybody very well. He's like, Oh, Adam needs me to be a captain. So I shouldn't express doubt around him. So I should just be confident and then he'll follow me. And so it was like, it, he almost like did totally 100, like 180. And it, it was almost like too short of a time for it to be believable. Hmm. Like when, when he was in the baths and the or Ogier was like I need you to steal this painting from like the most powerful guy around and Sedlin's a headmaster and he's instantly like okay like I'll do it like well he was desperate right yeah I mean he's he's desperate but I mean I I would have tried I would have been like I'm not gonna yeah I'm not gonna be able to steal it like I need to figure something else out like I need to figure some other alternate accommodation with this guy I mean he was he had no choice right he had to he had to do that his money was running out he saw what would happen otherwise he'd become a hod or he would yeah. be forced to like get out of there and lose maria like he, he had no options yeah i i, I mean i i'm not saying that there was something else he could have done i i just was it was a little bit hard for me as a reader to believe that somebody who was like so hopelessly navigating someplace could suddenly pull off like an elaborate heist. I think that's fair. Like things did, you know, tend to work out for him, albeit in unexpected ways, but really like if this was really a normal guy going through the tower and he's a headmaster and that was his experience, it's probably going to become a hod, right? Like he's probably not really going to make it. Maybe, but, but, I think that we kind of underestimated at the beginning of the book, how competent he is just in life, you know, like, like he, he was a successful person. You know what I mean? 
he just had this like way of thinking that was blinding was, him for a he while. was naive for the first third of the book yeah yes he was very yeah. naive but he was when he when he stopped being naive and saw things for how they were i think some of his both his confidence and competence came back to you know and and served him served him well and desperation right and he and he loved Mary, how, how are you saying your name i'm saying it, maria 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 and he like loved her you know i i would do something incredibly stupid to save my wife you know yeah was, I, I guess maybe it's a bit more believable if you think of it as this um, air of naivete that he casts off and when when he's able to see things more clearly than he's able to apply himself. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's a little bit more believable. Still not still not totally believable, but hey, we're reading reading fantasy here. Yeah, you know, yeah. you can't I, I, I yeah, do think yeah. I'm I'm nitpicking a bit here <laughs> where at first I'm like, no, he's not competent enough. No, he's too competent. You know? Yeah. Do you think so. the title of the book has a dual meaning of like, he's ascending up the tower, but he's also ascending oh, yeah. like himself. You know, he's, he's becoming more competent. Like you said, Ryan. Yeah. Moving on from Senlin. I think my favorite character of the book is Edith. Okay. I, I loved the, the chapter she was in. And I loved the fact that this was a way for, Semblin to see that even good people can become hods, right? And I loved like just how genuine she was. And the I thought it made the book a lot more personable by introducing us. She she didn't become a hod. Not not a hod, sorry. Become oh, what's the name for when they get branded? Is there a name? Yeah, it's the it's a shortened word. Oh, yes, there is a name. Uh I promised we read the book, but yeah, I'm not going to remember that. Yeah, sorry. That was my bad. It was something. Yeah. Yeah, why am I forgetting it? Anyway. um, Let us know. Let us know in the comments what it was. Yeah. So I I really liked that. And I really liked her kind of backstory of like, you know, going out there and and taking some more control over her life and Mm -hmm. finding a new, new home in the tower by the end of the book. I thought he does a really good job of representing um, what like minorities, I would say, especially women in really like strong, powerful ways. And that was another thing I saw in his, uh, like at the end of the Kindle book, there's an interview and he says he went like when he was starting to uh, write fantasy, he went back to a bunch of old authors that he liked and he realized that they're like fairly bigoted with a lot of things they were doing. And so I think, uh, you know, he does a really good job of, of representing um, as women, especially, but I think the idea is, you know, all cultures and all groups here are kind of being shown that, like everyone has a story, everyone has, you know, the ability, I guess, to ascend. Maybe I, that my I kind of threw that together, but you know what I mean. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like it. I think Edith became really cool at the end. I thought she was pretty cool at the beginning especially when they were running around the parlor and the guy, the crazy, her crazy husband actor was like yelling her actress's name. And she's like, no, my name is Edith. Like get it straight. (laughs) And then. um, What was up with that dude? Why did he want, why did he want to kill them so bad? That was a little, that was like maybe a little too over the top. Even he just got too into his role, I guess. the, The tower gets to everyone in different ways. Well, we talked about this on our on our book club, and each tower of the, in my opinion, my reading of it, interpretation of it, is that each each tower, each ring, ring of the tower, each ringdom, right, represents a different vice that we have as society. And okay. I took the parlor to be the um, influence of media on us, and if we just like are only consumers of media then we start to see our life like that. And obviously, like, I don't, I'm not agreeing with what I'm saying right now, but, you know, like a lot of people really believe that violent video games, like, make you a violent person or that watching violent shows leads to Mm. violence, right? And I would say, you know, I think most studies that have looked into that kind of disagree with that. But I think that that's the commentary, at least, is that if we get hyper-focused on media and entertainment and especially violent media and entertainment, then that can lead like our society down a really dark path that was my kind of hmm. interpretation of that whole setting so uh so people are just like so desperate for success that they will totally sell out for 
popularity and well or like phentology sells out for views yeah like or even you just become so consumed with this um what you see as the what a character would do in whatever you're playing like you know say you're playing mm-hmm. as master chief yeah. from halo that okay well if master chief can go on a murderous rampage then why can't i you know what i mean killing like, uh, spree yeah, yeah i mean if it's flood okay if it's you know people then maybe not but anyway yeah, that's maybe that's maybe not that was my uh kind of meta interpretation you know of uh, and you, i think you can go do that for each different ringdom that is fizz did um draw some pretty clear uh, commentary on i think one fizz of my favorite parts was at the end of the parlor when the clerk guy don't remember his name offhand that was like helping with their case says you to Senlin like hey you know like or Senlin says something to him and it's revealed that he was just playing his role the whole time and Senlin says like oh I I had no idea you were an actor and he's like oh my gosh that's the greatest compliment ever like yeah uh, I can't believe like I've achieved this and that was really chilling but also really really cool you wonder how long those people have been in there right like were they raised there you know yeah set their entire life yeah are those nurses really qualified to be nurses if they're just <laughs> actresses i don't think so as evidenced by edith losing her arm yeah that's yeah. true she got <laughs> gangrene she did not get very good care hey but she got a magic clockwork arm so uh, i mean if i'm gonna lose an arm if i get it replaced with a Magical, super powerful arm. arm. Like it's not that. I mean, obviously, I'd probably rather well, have my real arm. But still. I mean, I think that arm is going to come into play in the next book, being titled "The Arm of the Sphinx." Called the Arm of the Sphinx, and and at the end, she said something to the Red Hand, like uh, something about like, "Tell me what the Sphinx said." I, yeah. I mean, I'm going to have to go back and read exactly what. I that think was. that the Red implied. Hand says, "Like sister, what would the Sphinx say?" or something like that. Yeah. I think it is implied that the Sphinx has her arm. And that her arm is that's my she has the arm well i think she traded an arm to get her, her current arm but i think her arm that, just cut off i think she i it is implied that she like gave it i think she said like he's at some point he's like what did you have to trade to get that and she's like yeah, an arm an arm hmm. yep okay i might have missed that i think it's interesting that a character like you said josh that was so open to senlin and they had this like pretty deep relationship in a short amount of time in this really stressful situation she comes back and they still have a relationship they're willing to work together but now enough stuff has happened to her where she has secrets and she's not nearly as forward and open with him i think this makes for a very interesting relationship going forward and same with him he has secrets yes exactly yeah yeah is he just going to show her i don't think at the end of the book does she know that he has the the painting the painting uh no i don't think so secret secrets what do you guys think about the painting what's the deal there uh, it, it i i really think it's a cool uh what's the what's the word for that uh mcguffin i think it's a cool mcguffin uh, okay <laughs> I, I don't i don't know what do you mean by that mcguffin is like what like a thing that is being chased that is like propelling the plot onward and we don't really know what what it is or did you see the powerful. artemis Fowl movie ryan no in, Art- in the Artemis Fall movie, they're like trying to get this like codex thing the whole time. And it turns out like it doesn't matter at all. It's just like a total plot device the entire time. Oh, okay. Like the brief, is it the briefcase in, uh, in Pulp Fiction? Yeah. That, yeah. That's that a really good example. That, that they're chasing. And they Although I haven't seen it. I haven't seen Pulp Fiction either, but I get the point. Yeah. Oh, a good example would be like uh, the, what are they trying to get in? Uh, dang this would be a spoiler for the the second book of first law it's it's a very common trope in fantasy and there is a mcguffin in the second book of first law yeah kill me that's not a spoiler in my opinion (laughs) all right um i thought that the painting was a cool mcguffin because it is hinted that it's very powerful and that a lot of people want it and that it's more than just a painting but we don't know what it is or what the secret of it is yeah and i can't think of what it could i, I think mean it's, it's like a this, portal that's my theory you think it's magical in some way yeah i think you can like go through the go through the into this land of where this girl but she's like a girl with a paper boat on the water or something like that something yeah it, it's very interesting especially later on where you learn that ogier isn't the actual 
artist. Yeah. Well, you're told that at least by the, uh, by the Commodore guy, whatever his real title is. Commissioner I of, Pound. I thought of him as the Commodore from Pirates of the Caribbean <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> He's, he does a good character with his uh, gas mask on the whole time. Another one that I was able to visualize really well. But maybe there's like some secret painted into it or there's some code. Like you flip over the Declaration of Independence and then on the back <laughs> with, with, the, with heat and a lemon juice, you're able to find... <laughs> the next clue, clue. <laughs> yeah and that will lead to another clue and that will lead to another sorry i like that and that movie. leads to the top of the tower <laughs> i thought that was well done and then i liked ogier as a character i like that he wasn't really an ally of senland in a lot of ways he was pretty self-serving yeah and pretty messed up but um it showed that senland you know was going to do what it took to what was really his motivation though if he was trying to get the painting the whole time then he gives senland the painting but we're told he dies. I don't think any of us, like, do you guys think he really died? I don't think he really died. He said he had protection that Senlin didn't know yeah. about. So. But was he just saying that because he knew that Senlin was the type of person who wouldn't have left him? I, if... Yeah, I think two things. I think, one, he really did, like, kind of love slash have an infatuation with Maria. And yeah. two, I think that he didn't necessarily want the painting for himself, but he didn't want What's-His-Face to have the painting. Pound, because I think. Commodore yeah. Pound, yeah, commissioner. So, I know it's commissioner. commissioner. Yeah, he didn't want him to have the painting, so I think he thought as long as it was out of his hands, then it was in a better. And he knew that he wouldn't be able to keep it safe if he kept it. They would come out. I'm going on record here. Phantology guarantee he is not dead. He's coming back in the next books. There's no way. Yeah. Come on, how many fantasy books have we read at this point? Guy dies off screen, and we're told he dies off screen. He's not really dead. He's coming back. Spoiler. Did you guys get the sense of that that famous Star Wars quote from, I think it's, is it the Phantom Menace? Yeah, it's the Phantom Menace because Qui-Gon Jinn says, Obi-Wan, there's always a bigger fish. Ah, yes. I feel like each time you get to a ringdom, it's like, well, there's a bigger fish. There's like, you know, like that. The, there's, you think that whoever's on top in the bats, like Commissioner Pound, and then you get up to, um, the next area and you're like well no it's not it's not commissioner pound he's just the he's the servant of somebody greater mm-hmm. right right and, now we're supposed to think that the pels and these like noble families that are higher up or the real big fish but there, yeah there's probably more and we're yeah. only on level what four yeah like, there are potentially how the, many the boudoir i think is level four they didn't really say if there was anything between the bats and the boudoir no, but I mean, just in general, how many levels? Like, there's between thirty and fifty. Or yeah, Senlin had Senlin found that like metal rod thing mm-hmm. that had a bunch of things scratched in it, and yeah, we think there's like thirty or forty. I, yeah, that was my. Impression. So they're only like one tenth of the way up, and they're already dealing with like pretty yeah. ruthless and yeah powerful people. They have an um, airship now that they can they can just go right up to the top, right? I, <laughs> yeah, I'd imagine not. I'd imagine that that's not really how it works. Yeah. Because airships weren't that uncommon, right? Well, they they like circle around the tower and there's this whole, you know, discussion of like they have to find the currents and right now they're really low on supplies. So I'm guessing they're going to make it up to like the next area. Then they're, I don't think the ship is going to be like always in their inventory per se. Like they're, they're probably going to lose that thing and get stranded again. Didn't, didn't they ask that question at the beginning where it was like, yeah, why don't you just take an airship and fly it up to the top of the tower? And it's like, well, you like you don't know what's up there like how it'll be received like what if you land someplace and you're you're like you're an enemy or whatever you're not welcome there there's probably patrol going up like airship patrols going up closer to the top of the tower yeah what did you guys think of uh his adam that's his name and his sister yeah adam uh, and boleta adam boreas is that his name last name yeah adam Adamos or something. Okay. That's his full name, but I didn't love him. I, I you always got the. I mean, it was pretty apparent that he was the one betraying him. I thought like that was mm-hmm. not shocking at all to me. That was obvious. I think it was. A, it was a surprise to me the first time he betrayed him, not the second time. And and now you're just wondering. Well, we know that he doesn't have. He has his own best interests at heart, and Senlin knows that now too. So, is he going to betray Senlin once again? 
that's what Senlin realizes though at the end the epilogue where he's like reflecting on how things are going is like I know I have Adam working for me now but as soon as things go south he would like betray the world to save his sister I think is what he Mm -hmm. says yeah so he's he's kind of an interesting like he's he's sort of tragic right where where he's Mm -hmm. he's a very smart person but he's he's given into the tower right and that's the thing that that makes Senlin so so strong is the fact that he's not willing to give into the tower when when Finn Gall is like don't trust anyone don't tell people that you're going to rescue or that you're trying to find your sister but if he hadn't if he had listened to Finn Gall he would have been stuck in the baths he wouldn't yeah. have trusted Tari Taru or uh, Ojir and and you know, by trusting those people, confiding in him, in them, he like brought out the best in them, and that's what he's trying to do with Adam, yeah. and he hasn't done it yet. And with uh, Irene, is that how you say her name? The Amazon. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I feel like he's halfway there with her, but She's he's trying. Still... He's trying the same thing. Yeah, yeah. What did you guys think of Finn Gall? What What did you think of his character? He's cool. I like. I like this character. He reminds me of uh, like. Johnny Dresden Files. Uh, Marcone. Marcone. I was thinking Car. Yeah. I was thinking Star Wars C. Yeah, he, he's kind of like your mafia boss type guy. Yeah. Where he takes you into his house with his family that looks yeah. all nice. And he's like, I'm going to, you know, break your neck unless you do what I want. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, you stole from me by paying those people. Uh-huh. Like any. Yeah. So it's, and, and Finn Gall, he, he's interesting because he has his family and that's, those are his interests and they don't extend beyond it. It's only his and his family's self-interest, which I think is reasonable. But once it's very, again, it's a very mafia type mindset, right? Like, yeah, um, I guess that's true. Very mafia-esque. I think it was kind of disappointing that he didn't realize like, Hey, Senlin is paying these guys more, but like, does he not understand basic economics? Like that's not, it, well, he is getting more money. Well, we don't really know all of his motivations because yes, he's getting more money, but is his only motivation to get more money or is it to keep his workers in check? So, yeah, so maybe he's losing in. some power there. Yeah, yeah. If he's, if he's losing power to Senlin because people are liking him more because he's paying more, then he probably sees that as a threat to his dominance. Okay. I buy that. Yep. And he, yeah. and he probably thinks, okay, well, if these people are getting more money, then they might just go and, you know, cost me more. Yeah. He, he's, he's an interesting villain. Yeah. All the mid-tier bosses are real, really well done. It did feel kind of like progressionist fantasy for a while, which is like a very sub sub genre where you like go up a level and you get more power and abilities and you're like, okay, now I'm ready to take on the next boss. It felt like that, like through the first half. And then the second half I thought was where it really, the plot really picked up for me. It was like, okay, like I can kind of see what this is now. We're not leveling up every chapter. What I was kind of hoping was going to happen was that, Senlin was going to have some big confrontation with Fingal and he was going to outmaneuver him and then take Fingal's position as like, you know, the head of this, like controlling this port. And he was going to start like his own little piece of the tower and try and change things from there. Hmm. I think that could still happen in gen, like that storyline could still happen. Yeah. You know, at another place. On the- but I guess, I guess it's hard to do that with, you know, with, you know, ascending the tower, you can't really become stationary for too long. Well, if you need to really power up, you know. Yeah, I guess so. I guess my expectation for the rest of the series is he continues to climb to the tower, more and more of the, you know, inner workings and things at play here. We meet the bigger fishes over and over. I guess he gets to the top eventually and then like stuff goes down and I think Maria is also going to have like her separate plot where like in parallel, she is ascending the tower and like working people. And, and then finally they meet up and like do something together. And, but are and they going to be on, on opposite sides of this conflict? That could be good. That could be good. Yeah. And yeah. are they going to have, I hope that happens actually. That's good. Are they going to have grown apart to the point where, you know, you have this goal in mind and then, yeah. And then you finally achieve it and you realize that it's not what you thought it would be. And he kind of realizes like he now is in love with this like idea of her and he's like losing who she really was. 
as a person yeah. and he's just trying to save her for almost like sake of saving his wife. and yeah. uh, i mean marius she she told ogier that that she this whole thing she was doing was to save herself and save her husband right do you guys remember that and so you're like what exactly like does does she mean is, is she trying to save them from like the boredom of like a normal life like oh monotony wait here's an idea you remember the guy that let senlin escape when he was robbing the uh when he was getting the the painting oh yeah the the soldier oh, yeah yeah. Uh-huh. yeah yeah what if he was working for maria like uh he had you know she had kind of given him instructions to save senlin or seems like a little bit of a stretch is she in position she's in position yeah. to do something like well because she's up with the pell is that their name pells but yeah. she's not really making she's not really doing like i feel like she's more like a trophy wife well we don't that. know we don't know like maybe she yeah. has more of a position but it was influence. like it was like a month after she left right you know or she left or she was kidnapped like right before Senlin showed up at the baths. Yeah, it wasn't too far before. And so that would be a lot, a lot for her to like establish herself in the Pels. I don't, I mean, stranger things have happened. I really hope we get her story. I, I kind of hope that some of the fortunate things that have happened for Senlin have been because Mario paved the way slash have been influencing those things to happen. And I also mm. hope that they're on opposite sides of this conflict that is brewing underneath the okay. you know, surface okay. of the tower. Those okay. are my like two kind of hopes for the series. Okay. All right. Let's do our worst of the best segment. So this is our, we haven't, we haven't done this for a while. Actually, we haven't had a book that we reviewed where we did this, but uh, the idea of the segment is we liked the book. There were a lot of good things, but you know, maybe there were some things that could have been a little bit better. So now we're going to talk about those things. So what were the worst parts of the best parts for you? The worst of the best. With so many exemplary moments in this book, it's almost unfair to nitpick. But that's the segment. It's the pimple on the princess. The stain on the satin. And the terror before the triumph. The unfortunate portion of an otherwise stellar performance. Someone has to point it out. I have one, if you guys want me to go. Okay, Josh. Um, I think that the final battle over the airship was a good worst of the best moment. It was cool. Like, it was pretty cinematic. You know, you have the airship kind of on the dock. You have this thing like you don't know if it's going to be a bomb that explodes the the box that uh-huh. they think the painting is in you have all the different competing interests to play but in terms of just the action i got a little a little bit lost and maybe it's because i was very spoiled having read uh wisdom of crowds right before i read this where joe Abercrombie very different style just, of action yeah yes. it's very uh you can picture kind of everything that happens with the action in joe Abercrombie books and there's Abercrombie. Uh, it's like no extraneous information you're right there with the person as they are grunting and throwing their swords around and stab, stuff. Stab, this is much more like flowery description of how it's happening yeah so i i don't know if it wasn't enough stakes or if i thought that you know that people were actually gonna die or not but um there's something missing out of that scene to make it a uh, the uh, as good of a scene as I think it could have been because there was a kind of cinematic quality to it. I think if there was ever an adaption to it, it would be a cool finale to a, a movie yeah. or, or episode or however it's adapted. But um, the way it was written, I found a little bit lacking. I think that's fair. Mine, mine is similar, very similar to Josh's, and it's the red hat, aka Bane, this villain <laughs> who uh, was it the red hat or red hand? Red hand. Who, Red, red hand, hand. Okay. yeah red red hat he's, um, yeah the red hand. slightly less intimidating um i mean he's introduced in a very terrifying fashion with getting this power up and literally tearing the head off of that poor kid and so you know that he's gonna be a bad guy who senlin's going to have to encounter at some point he almost kills senlin and then and then he has this epic showdown with 
Iran, where Iran has this like helicopter basically chain that she's launching at people and um and he gets the best of her and then and then Sunlin he's fighting with commissioner pound and then we and then when he finally that fight is breaks off he turns and edith is basically won this fight and is holding the red hand like by his neck over this edge you don't like i i feel like the red hand was this you know pretty epic villain who is very capable we learn that he's not even really human or at least he isn't anymore uh-huh. and and then there's like the climax is cut out right and edith has just beaten him by who knows how he was drugged although it said that like the most of the drug was kicked out of him and then i thought it was like she wasn't she might not have even dropped him but her juice went ran out of her arm yeah that was that was that implied yeah Yeah. it was pretty explicitly stated it said she said sometimes this runs out at the worst times but sometimes it runs out at the best time and so like she she was when she was like refilling it with the red juice so while she was holding him over the edge yeah it it drained out and she let go but if it if it lets off at the best times like she's saying that's good that we dropped him yeah, I don't think she regretted dropping him, but I don't think she would have. Like, I don't think she. Mm. She was. She was thinking the decision was made for her. Yeah, yeah, she was thinking about the consequences. Uh, she, yeah, yeah. Because it, it seems like by by killing him, she's crossing the Sphinx. At least yeah. that's that's how I interpret it. That's that's what I got from it too, right? I also don't think he's dead, <laughs> dude. Come on, that that tower is is no joke, man. Well, he's gonna, I don't know, he's gonna be caught in the airship or he's not dead. He's dead. No, he's coming back. Is is the Commodore dead? He's he's not dead either. Didn't I, he I, like fall? Didn't he fall back into the He like, fell into the, the ship? Yeah, he so fell. He's, he's still around. I think the red hand is dead. I think the red hand is gone. I don't think nah, uh, he's he's around. He's he'll be back. Okay. <laughs> All right, uh, there's another phantology guarantee. <laughs> Go on, Edith, Edith Edith fell off. She wasn't dead. Well, yeah, that's okay. We'll see. Yeah, he, he already see. climbed up the tower on this like skinny little line that Silk line. Adam left for him. Uh, he's, yeah, he's not dead. All right, that's actually that's actually my worst, the best, the the second betrayal from Adam. Uh, I thought it was really good in establishing his character further. Like, we definitely cannot trust this guy, and I think it's interesting that going forward, this is a character that's working for someone as long as things with his sister work out, and and that's really his loyalty. But I. I didn't care that he betrayed Senlin, so to speak, because it meant nothing for like, there were all of these stakes, like Josh said at the climax, it was really interesting. And then there's this like one loose thread of like, who, who was the traitor? What does this mean? And we thought it was the, uh, the other guy, the uh, Rodion. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, we thought it was him and then it wasn't. And then like a couple of pages later, just like, it's Adam. Oh, but also like, we're just going to forgive Adam and like, it's fine. And I get that it was good for establishing his character, but at the same time, I thought it was like maybe a little forced. Yeah. You're not wrong. All right. So now that we said bad things, uh, just to reiterate, we love the book. Uh, yeah. Looking forward to the next one. Uh, we just kind of do that, you know, to have fun. Uh, I, guess. I think this was one of the highest media, like highest scores. I can't remember eight, eight and 8.5. Maybe like Rhythm of War got that. I think Rhythm of War might've got some nines i i think wisdom of crowds got some nines i mean but these are we're talking about like our yeah. top three favorite fantasy authors of the last like um, five years too yeah, like these are the yeah. best yeah anyway highly recommend if you if you made it through and listened to all these spoilers and haven't read the book i'd still go back and read the book it's still going to be entertaining even having all these spoils spoilers for you I'd, i really hope you didn't because that would be sad yeah true <laughs> But uh, if you if you've only read the first book and you want to read along with us and you're you know you're you're current this is October, uh, then hop on our Discord and we'll be going through the second book either through book club or we'll just have a channel where we chat about it as we go through. And uh, what, what else? I guess sub and comment and we'll get you into the competition. Best of luck. May the odds be in your favor. May you not be thrown off the tower and die or not die. In my opinion. 
And uh, what else? What other Steven's advice like do the, we have? The safest place you can be in Steven's mind is like in the air falling from the tower. Yeah. Like the if that's the place, case, you are safe. No, the safest place to be in any fantasy book is dying off screen because <laughs> you're fine. You're, not you're fine until you come back. Yes. When you come back, you may have, you, you, maybe you're coming back for like a glorious final exit. But if you are currently dead off screen, you're fine. You're coming back. Okay. Yeah. Steven, if I ever write a book just to troll you, I'm going to kill a <laughs> character off screen and then just never have them come back. Nice. All right. Thanks for listening. Josh, Ryan, I'm Steven. See you guys later. Yep.